Welcome everybody to the Summit of Podcast. This is where we talk about movies, shows, games, and whatever the heck we want. You can find us on Apple Podcast, Anchor, and Spotify, and wherever else you find your podcast at. I am John, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend Chris. Chris, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing. I'm doing as good as I can. As good as I can. Really excited to talk about the movie news because, man, do I have opinions. <laughs> You know, overall, there wasn't a ton of, like, movie and TV, like, new content news coming out lately. Uh, but there's definitely some drama going on. And I think some interesting little tidbits I'm excited to talk with you about. Um, mm-hmm. So, first of all, I think the biggest thing that has affected us all in 2021 was the loss of The Office from Netflix. I, I think you're uh, over-exaggerating there, but I'll let you continue. I... Don't think I am in the slightest. Sarcasm. Uh, Yes. Strong (laughs) sarcasm. (laughs) I mean, this was a part of almost my wife and I's daily routine uh, for the longest time just to turn something on, to have it. And you can always count on The Office and the shenanigans of the show. Uh, Some people think it's overrated and those people would be absolutely wrong. But on January 1st, The Office moved back to its quote unquote home at NBC with uh, their streaming service, Peacock. And I can tell you right now, I have no interest in that streaming service whatsoever. Um, You can find the first two seasons of the show for free on Peacock. Um, But in order to access the later uh, seasons, you have to pay $4.99 for an ad-supported version or $9.99 for the ad-free version. And that does not interest me at all like i said i'm not willing to pay an extra ten dollars a month to watch a show that i've watched almost every day for the last probably 10 years so i don't need to know it by heart even more um so what do you think chris are going to be the lasting effects on the popularity of the show because it's it's found a resurgence in streaming to where there, uh, I can't remember the exact number, but there was over a billion hours of that show streamed, um, I want to say just in the last year. Um, it, it's just some ridiculous number for a, for a very recent run of time. And and now that it's off of a streaming service that everybody has, basically, and onto one that only a handful of people really have, do you think this is going to make The Office culturally obsolete? No, I don't think so, because we had lost Friends. Like, Friends had been on, obviously, on television and reruns. And when it came to streaming, more mainstreaming, it kind of, like, everyone was like, oh my gosh, Friends! And it, I, I don't, it, some people rewatched it, some people didn't. I think it's just one of those things where The Office holds a spot in the sitcom or 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 those long season type episodic television shows that have a very very long story to go from point a to point b takes a very long time because you have small little adventures along the way and i think of like the cheers the frasers you know you have the friends you have the office and i think i think the office takes that spot more than shows like parks and rec and community because those shows kind of took you know saw what the office was did and decided to do the same thing just in a different flavor which is okay but i i think i think it will always be culturally relevant 
for The Office, I don't think that shows like Parks and Rec and Community can hold up, even though they're they're good shows on their own on their own two legs. I just think that for this show to go away to Peacock, I think you know you could always just turn on the television and watch reruns. It's the same thing that happened to Friends. Uh, it's the same thing that happened to Frasier. I mean, eventually, maybe Peacock says, okay, we'll put it to a Netflix deal or something, depending on how well it does for the streaming service. I mean, you're going to see it again at one point. It's not going to stay on that platform forever unless Peacock somehow becomes one of the premier streaming services. I think it's going to fail, and I don't think NBC is going to want to continue. That's my prediction. But I, I don't see... Uh, the office staying on that platform forever see but i think that at this point since they've got it back home i don't think they have any intention of letting it go just because they know how popular it is and if they if they feel like it's enough of a draw to bring people in to pay for their service that doesn't really have a lot of great new content yet um they're going to do everything they can to hold on to it because of just how culturally impactful it's been on generations of people i mean i i was listening to the um the making of the office podcast with brian Baumgartner. Bom, brian Baumgartner can't say his name and they interviewed uh billy eilish who basically said from the age of seven i think she said um to now like the office is on in the background every single day and she can quote the sh- the scenes by heart um that somebody like her who's who's younger who is so much i think in a lot of the cultural zeitgeist now um this shows the even impacted her when she wasn't even um aware of it during its run um that it really only picked up for her basically when it got onto streaming and when that became more of a prevalent uh way to view things um so now that it's off of the off of the adult table and onto the kids table basically where you don't really want to be um i i worry that uh eventually like maybe maybe years from now but eventually um people won't be as it won't be as fresh for a lot of people it'll be more of like a like a looking back into the rearview mirror and like a distant memory of of their um viewings of the show because, I mean, a lot of people don't see it when it's um, on reruns on cable. A lot of people don't have cable anymore. And if you're only going to watch the first two seasons, I mean, the first season's not what it's really known for. I think a lot of people just skip those episodes. Um, and the second season is where it starts to pick up, but it's not until three and later that they really had something that I think a lot of people latched onto. Hmm. And NBC knows that, and that's why they're making it available for you to pay. So they're hoping to justify their streaming service, um, and they hope that uh, that that's enough for them. Just like HBO hopes that Friends is enough uh, in a lot of ways for their service to draw in that type of demographic. Well, HBO um, has a lot more things than Peacock. As I'm discovering, uh, I watched Lord of the Rings, and uh, Peacock <laughs> isn't going to give me something like that on its streaming service and 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 to counter your point you have watched the office probably every day with your wife like you said it's kind of a ritual routine thing and you're not getting the service you're not paying an extra 9.99 for the service just to have that show 
that from someone who is a huge office fan is a very big telling sign about your service yeah yeah and and i mean nbc has has good shows in some cases i mean does it have any um, movies it does not Mm. uh they're really banking on the tv uh demographic behind it all um and what was interesting for me was basically as soon as they got it they started advertising that they had an unreleased cold open for the show from back in um they never really specified i don't think when it was from um but it's it's a it's a cold open where jim and pam try and convince dwight that he is actually in the matrix and um they have uh this black cat walk by twice and uh then one of the warehouse workers walks by with his twin but they don't know he has a twin um wait did nbc announce all of this yeah yeah this is like something that they were actually marketing no no no. did Um, they announce like what was they you're describing to me the cold open did nbc announce what was in the cold open oh no no i watched it on youtube see that's even that's even like that that's the that's the issue here like it's if you watched it on youtube like i don't peacock has no no leverage power in this i i don't see it i don't see it being as the the wave this wave it's trying to ride this marketing tactic this way to get people to its streaming service i think is just going to blow up in their face i don't i don't see this working out i and i know you're trying to explain like they've got these things but what do you believe in your heart of hearts john is this going to be successful and i don't want you to say it i don't want you to solely give me your answer actually i'm speaking for you go ahead you have the floor (laughs) sir I don't think that it's going to be a successful move, but I don't think that they're smart enough to, um, or wise enough at this point at least, to consider relicensing it out to a service like Netflix, um, because that's not where they can make the most amount of money. Potentially, they can make the most if they draw enough people onto their service and have them commit for multiple months at a time. Um, with with licensing, it's it's a lot more limited. There's a lot more terms. They don't have as much control over it, um, and it, it is a popular show. But then, if they give it up to Netflix again, then they lose a huge draw to their service, and then they're right back where they started. And I I think that they're just in a similar position to where um, uh, like Apple TV uh, and some of the newer services are. Maybe even Disney Plus when they first started where they really only are relying on the nostalgia of older shows and not producing a lot of new content to justify an entire service for people to commit to. So I did a quick Google search for you, sir. Yes. I, I put NBC most popular t- uh, most popular shows. This is what NBC gave me. This is us. Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, Chicago Med, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which I think is a fox property now right uh yes okay superstore transplant law and order svu which you could find on usa uh you know you could find it there chicago fire blind spot good morning america blacklist which i don't think blacklist is on there anymore could be wrong new amsterdam good girls nurses manifest chicago pd i think i already said that midnight texas days of our lives 
The Wall, which I guess is a new, uh, uh, I've, I've never, I have no idea what that is. It's just, this is, this is what you have to offer. This is the stuff that used to be popular when you had, uh, it's still, it's for the TV alcoholics who just, and I don't mean like alcoholic, like they're into alcohol. I just mean like, you just want to keep consuming trash television. It's like the people who only watch The Bachelor. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. It's like, if that's what you're into, that's what you're into. But now we have more people being able to go see these greater things. I just, I don't, they, they have nothing in their catalog. It's why HBO, like Game of Thrones was pirated, is the most pirated show until The Mandalorian came out. It's the most pirated show on Earth because no one else wants to get the stuff that's on HBO. Uh, but since AT&T and Warner Brothers worked out a lot of deals, you know, there is a reason to get HBO Max right now uh, as a streaming service. But NBC is just way lacking. No, 100%. And and I don't think that they have enough of a foundation to stand on when you're talking about services like the current Disney Plus and what they're about to start putting out. HBO, uh, Netflix, Hulu even. Um, all of these juggernauts, I think, are, are really maintaining the control. And NBC is kind of like uh, the CBS All Access, which is probably going to fold into uh, a larger service at some point soon. The smaller ones like that just can't compete. Um, but before we get too far into this, I do want to also talk to you about another type of streaming service um, while we're in the same uh, vein here. Yes. Uh, this is what I was warning you about before we started recording about a crazy story I just read. So all of the Quibi content uh, was just bought out by Roku and will be coming to Roku ad supported uh, here shortly. Um, I don't know what this is about. I'm going to be honest. I just read the headline. I didn't really read too much into it because I just wanted to get some gut reactions. Fantastic journalism. I know it's fine. <laughs> Gut reaction. Um. So the f- just the fact that something somebody wanted to invest in a dead streaming service and give these shows new life. I guess you could say. Um. I do. You, what do you think is happening? Is what I'm trying to get at. What do I think is happening? Well. <sighs> I think I think it's a smart move by Roku to grab this because they probably got it for cheap. I don't know the details of the deal, but it, you know, Quibi just went to someone else and it has a home now, and that's not that's not a terrible thing. And I think that it's kind of funny that Roku is the one who bought them because Roku is kind of the Roku service and things like you know the Chromecast. Uh, I don't think a lot of people are aware that those exist who are more of the older generation. I think newer people know that or, or like younger people know about it. But for me, I still don't want those things. I'd still rather just have a streaming service. Uh, I guess the only reason to get like a Roku for myself is to get like sports. But I could get like YouTube TV or something like that. And it, it, it's just I think it's a smart move. You know, I, I don't see any issue with it. I think streaming is the way to go because 
what is it these ISPs try and do is they try and bundle stuff in. Oh, you want a landline? You want internet? You can get uh, television. And then, you know, they give you the worst service in the world because they're an oligarchy in a capitalist system. And Roku just gives you more options. And being bought by Quibi, I think that's a, a good move. You know, that my, that's my gut reaction. It's a smart business move. Uh, it's not going to another streaming service that's like a Netflix or anything to beef up their content. So that's not really a big player in the industry eating a small player. This is kind of going to a different part, a different level of the tech industry that's just going to expand uh, the, I guess, not really expand, but it's just going to be another thing under the Roku the Roku umbrella because I don't think Quibi is really a huge draw. It's just a nice, um, it's like a nice side of like vegetables with your meal. I'm not saying it's Mac and cheese. If Roku bought like something like a, like a Hulu, maybe, but it's not Mac and cheese. It's like some nice side of vegetables. That's good enough. Quibi is like the packing peanuts in your package where it just helps to fill it out a little bit. What? <laughs> Packing peanuts, yes, the the most the most secure of items thrown into your into your package. <laughs> and I, I will say, I mean, I I get it, but um, they also did did uh, say that within the deal that the um, so like with with Quibi, all of the content creators owned their own content. Um, so basically, Quibi was licensing out the content from the or licensing these the content from these people to then put it out on their service, which is also how they lost a lot of money. Um, but that same deal still applies to Roku where it's basically just on their service, but all of the content creators still retain control over their own material. So I guess after the contract expires, they still have that potential to then go find other services they could, they could find a new home with. Um, I, and you're right. I, I think that with Roku, it's a it's a nice tool to simplify and unify all of your other streaming services because like we have Roku TVs um, in two different rooms in our house and um, a Chromecast to also help cast anything we want to watch on our phones. Um, but it's not really something we watch new content on. It's just something we watch Netflix on, um, hmm. and just a, it's a way to bring uh, these types of programs to your TV for convenience sake not really thinking as not really thinking of Roku as a, its own streaming entity um, other than watching 4k videos of cute puppies. That's about it. Well, um, it's funny because Roku is mostly used for TVs that aren't smart TVs, right? That the, the are smart TVs. So it's not like its own little box. It's smart TVs that have Roku built into them. That. Okay. But it, See, I'm confused about this even as a young person. It's just like I don't understand Roku. It's just like if if my TV isn't a smart if my TV is a smart TV, it's it can be integrated with Roku. But like, can I get like a Chromecast to put into a non-smart TV? Like, can I get Netflix on a smart TV anyways without using Roku? Yeah. So with Chromecast, it it's Google's version of um, a device that helps you connect to your phone to uh, your TV so that you can quote unquote cast um, videos and pictures and other things from your phone to a larger screen like your TV. Um, ah. with, with Roku, it's integrated into the TV. It's not something you plug into an HDMI port. 
Um, mm. It's it's it gives you access to things like the Weather Channel, um, uh, different types of videos, uh, some content, um, but also helps you connect your smart devices to your TV. So it's it just it it's Roku is basically what helps make a smart TV better. Um, okay. Yeah, uh, so I, I wouldn't know because I just buy uh gaming consoles and like all all they have apps the only thing is i can't put like to my i mean i guess maybe i could use it kind of like a chromecast or a roku just be like hey i want to display this picture i can move pictures to uh a playstation 4 but i don't know i've never really had to deal with that kind of stuff i'm you know i'm learning so much right now (laughs) but see that's the thing too like it's it's an outdated streaming service that was that was dead brought to a smart tv um for content that people probably aren't going to even really seek out to watch um so really it's it's just hey there's more reno 911 why don't we click on this icon and that's about it it doesn't it doesn't seem like a like a major move like you said it's not really a big fish swallowing this up it's just i mean this is a thing I guess it's a thing. It's happening. It's a it's but... a fish trying to eat a guppy and nothing really happening. It's like a it's like of a, a whale, like a blue whale eating krill, but instead of eating like a bunch of krill, it eats one krill. It's you know, it's not really that significant. Exactly. Um Chris, I, I, I really can't think of anything else that we need to say about Quippy anymore, and I thought we were done with it Pivot. a long time ago. And in the words of uh, Warner Brothers, it's time to move on. Oh, I... oh really great segue. Oh, <laughs> a, a, applause in the back. That was fantastic. Oscar nominated, uh, but we're going to move on. We are. We are. And speaking of not moving on, uh, so I really wanted to talk with you about Ray Fisher and Cyborg and DC uh, and that whole dramatic shenanigan business. I love it. I, I'm going to be honest. I don't fully understand or I uh, haven't fully read into his um, accusations and what he said was um, how he was treated and how people were treated from Joss Whedon on Winter Brothers set and what they enabled. Um, I know that they've put up their own investigation and they haven't really found anything, but it was really more of an internal thing. So... I, I don't know enough to say whether or not he's making anything up, and I don't want to speculate at all. The one thing I really want to talk about is, um, uh, or a couple things I want to talk about, are Walter Hamada's contract being extended to where he's going to continue working with DC on their films in a more administrative role, kind of like, quote-unquote, Kevin Feige. Um, and I know everybody compares any kind of like overarching creative person to him, but he's kind of the gold standard. Um so Hamada is, is around. Cyborg or Ray Fisher has said that he will not work on a uh, another Warner Brother film as long as Hamada's in control, um, which basically means that he is choosing not to be Cyborg anymore, uh, and that because of all these comments and statements and tweets that he's been putting out, that uh, Ray Fisher's been putting out, um, Warner Brothers has come out in a statement and said to him that it's time to move on that they are removing him from uh, his small role in the Flash movie that was coming up. They're not even recasting it. They just wrote him out. Um, and basically, Cyborg isn't a part of the DC universe for the for, for the foreseeable future. 
uh, at least not as long as Ray Fisher's around. So what in the world are your whole thoughts on this, uh, just this whole situation? So Ray Fisher was one of the better parts of the Justice League from my watching. And it is really sad that it has come to this because I'm not, I would like to believe Ray Fisher, uh, but I just don't know. But what I can speculate is that he's right. <laughs> I want to believe that he is right. I obviously have no idea what the accusations are, but it makes sense to me that he would call out like, hey, I don't want to work for Hamada. And if you look at the track record of Warner Brothers and Hamada's track record, how would a company throw money at this guy, you know, Hamada? Why, why would you keep using his con his uh his counsel in this it doesn't make a lot of sense to me because it's it's just when you look at what marvel's doing and you look at what this other guy is suggesting it's just not as good you're putting out a subpar product uh that i i guess dc fans are just really going for Zack snyder and the more announcements Zack snyder is not going to be in any more is not planned in any more DCEU content. Anything, any more films that he's doing are not planned. And that yeah. comes from Zack Snyder, and then it was confirmed. So, it, it, it's the crazy thing. And then they also say that Michael Keaton is not going to be, or Michael Keaton is going to be the main Batman now going forward. That's what they announced, too. That Michael, they're getting rid of the Batfleck. So uh, that, I... Sorry, finish your thought, but I do have something to clarify about that. Yeah, like, it, there's a lot of pieces going in here that just, for me, looking at it is kind of concerning for Warner Brothers. It goes back to my con the other conversations that we've had on here, talking about Wonder Woman and how I don't believe it's necessarily Patty Jenkins' fault. I think it's a studio fault. And the more and more stuff that gets announced, the more and more I have to believe... That it is Warner Brothers' issue right now on how they're running the DCEU. And I don't... And this is all speculation. Obviously speculation. This is all based on a gut feeling. I have no proof. But if I had to follow the pattern, if I had to do the do the meme uh, of the like the strings everywhere in my office, it, it, I, I'm pointing to Warner Brothers here. Yeah, and I, I think that's very fair to say that they have always felt like they've been fraught with with drama and with tension and that there's not been very clear creative direction and that the directors and producers feel like they're pulled in one direction by the studio who's trying to get them in another direction and the actors are kind of just along for the ride and at the whim of, of the studio and whatever they want to throw in there and... And I think Joss Whedon is kind of because he was supposed to also direct uh, a Batgirl film, um, but since since everything has been coming out about him, he's stepped away from any future DC film, um, so he's not going to be working on that anymore. And I don't think he's working with Warner Brothers at all anymore. the um, The point of clarification that I wanted to make was that with with Michael Keaton's Batman there was a misconstrued rumor that he was replacing Ben Affleck as the primary Batman. Um, but 
they they've since come out and confirmed or and clarified that it's just as it they were just talking about his main role in the upcoming flash film that there's nothing else confirmed with him for the future and there's a lot of speculation that he's going to take over like as a as like a batman beyond style bruce wayne where it's more of like a mentor figure or he's thomas Uh, wayne uh or that as um, as batman like the in the flashpoint isn't it in flashpoint that tom like bruce wayne doesn't become batman but it's thomas wayne yes um i i think if they're bringing in keaton though as anything but bruce wayne i think there's gonna be a lot of fan backlash so it, i mean if the, if that's the case and they're just having him be set up as as ben affleck's father um uh, from a different universe i i don't know i don't that doesn't sit right but, with me but that's the thing about it is that they came out and they're like hey we're just saying we don't have any more plans for michael keaton that's part of the issue is you have no plans you you don't have you don't have like you know how marvel does like we've got phase one and these are the movies you're gonna see this is phase two these are gonna, the movies you're gonna see we don't have any of that from dc and they've watched marvel do it like maybe with the big announcements three times now more maybe mm-hmm. more than that like phase one really there were no announcements there was some paramount pictures and then disney really honed in on it and be like we're gonna have phase two phase three phase four and now we're going past that marvel has watched or dc warner brothers has watched disney do it and is still twiddling their thumbs not having a plan they are then they are lucasfilm they're doing the Lucasfilm thing, or rather, Lucasfilm is doing the DC thing. It's just, I look at this, and this is part of the problem. This is part of the speculation. You have to make a comment to go out there like, hey, that's just, it's a rumor, and it's its just, we don't have anything planned for Michael Keaton future in the DCEU. That's the problem. There's, there's no future. <laughs> they're doing it, they're <laughs> like, they're seeing, they're throwing stuff at the wall, and if it doesn't stick, they move on to the next thing. Like, they, they need to have a plan. And this is so terrible. And this is, we could rant on this all day long. Warner Brothers continually screws it up. And I, I, that's why I'm more inclined to believe Ray Fisher. And as a company, me putting on the corporate hat right now, I have an employee, I, I have someone, a contractor, an actor, who's complaining about something that happened on our set. We did an investigation. And if my investigation doesn't find anything, I still want to work with Ray Fisher. You know, I still want to say like, hey, we're going to improve all these things. Even if we didn't find anything, I still want to make improvements, you know, not to verify someone's point, but it's to for good PR. No, we're just writing you completely out of Flashpoint. Not they're not even recasting him. They're just completely writing the character out, which is it's odd to me. Even if they choose to recast him, that's it. It's it, I, I don't understand like why they just completely get rid of Cyborg. It's because they maybe they don't want another actor in there who people are going to compare to Ray Fisher or something along that lines. Like I don't, I I'm so confused. Like Warner Brothers is so confusing. John, save me from this because I, <laughs> I, it's so hard. I don't like to say the hate stuff, and I'm really usually the one on here who's got the hot takes. But man, I hate Warner Brothers sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I mean you're right. It doesn't feel like they have any clear direction, and that they're they're announcing all of these long arcing plans or long arching plans before 
they actually are able to put anything in motion because they're kind of at a standstill right now. Um, I mean, like we have the Snyder Cut coming out, which is just a rehash of previous content. Wonder Woman 2 was a prequel that led to the events of BVS, um, a universe they're not even focusing on anymore. We have the Suicide Squad, which is a continuation sort of of the Suicide or of the Suicide Squad, um, which also isn't really part of the main continuity for the most part. And then you have these standalone films uh, like the Pattinson Batman, like the Joker. So there's no real momentum other than Shazam, I guess. But even that, it's there's no real direct well, tie-in. The, the momentum has stopped. Yeah, exactly. So then to announce that you're gonna you're gonna do this big Flashpoint inspired story and have all these crossovers with these famous actors and and find a way to to connect all of the DC films from all of time um, as this big DC multiverse while also having all this turmoil with a major actor who is supposed to be one of the characters in that pivotal movie Flashpoint um, or, or the Flash movie. Because uh, the Flash and, and Cyborg have a big uh, part to do with that. And, um, I mean, Cyborg, to a degree, kind of facilitates and helps him achieve that time travel or the, the multiverse travel. And they, they're they not recasting Cyborg. They're writing him out, which yeah. is, if he's so integral to the story, just recast him. Are you yeah. that vain that you have to write him out? And uh, maybe they're worried that um, if you if you recast any of the major actors in a film right now that audiences won't won't really sit well with it and maybe they think that they they would rather just tie in actors from other universes to bring into the fold rather than recast the ones that are already here because like we haven't we know that all of the main characters are returning except for bruce wayne um who will be brought in from other roles and they already have another batman and they are talking about recasting um ben affleck to at some point but that's down the line they have to set that up they have to justify it somehow um (laughs) which which they never set up anything well it's it's what universal did with the monsterverse where they had the dooku the dark universe cinematic universe yeah exactly they they had two movies come out they loosely connected them together or three movies, I guess, technically. And then they announced in a big behind-the-scenes photo that they were going to have the all of these interconnected movies with all of these top-line top, top line or top-notch actors, and then it completely fell apart and none of the movies are coming out anymore. And Marvel has been smart about meticulously planning out things phase by phase, setting up things to be paid off later, and not getting ahead of themselves they they don't announce anything until it's in production and it's a sure thing and and so we we're just kind of being dragged behind marvel and we're we're getting things as they're being fed to us but with dc it's like we all want them to get ahead like we want them to produce these films and have it be a success but they can't get over that they can't get the momentum and the ball rolling because of all of the the behind the scenes aspects that some of which they can't control, like all the Zack Snyder stuff. And that's completely understandable. That kind of threw a wrench in their plans, but then they haven't ever been able to land or stick the landing since then. Um, because whether or not Zack Snyder would have stayed in the DC universe, he, his unit or his world that he created would have still continued. Um, 
but since he left and they and then they brought in joss whedon and now the snyder cut's coming out it's just it's i keep saying this on this podcast but it keeps muddying the water and and they haven't ever fully defined what the dc live action films are supposed to be um and they can do that all they want with announcements but it doesn't mean anything until we see the finished product i don't know i don't know it's exhausting to talk about so much we we could it there's so much to talk about here it's just if we talk about how lucasfilm kind of did the dc thing lucasfilm had no plan failed miserably now dc has planned with mandalorian and a bunch of other stuff too people really excited about lucasfilm right now despite some small things on twitter that were pretty stupid but get that out of the way people are now starting to have faith in lucasfilm again in that timeline lucasfilm copied dc screwed up and is starting to fix their mistake while dc continues to fall down these stairs these monumentally huge stairs bigger than the ones in the movie joker i don't know how but they just keep (laughs) falling in joker good movie i really liked joker birds of prey good movie really like that movie and then they just i when it comes to like your continuity line is the most problematic it really scare it should scare everyone that your premiere product that you throw so much money at and how how after watching batman versus superman and wonder woman 1984 <laughs> How is the special effects in the Lord of the Rings like better than some of the special effects in those movies? How? I, I don't understand. How do the Oliphants look so good in Lord of the Rings and you can't make Wonder Woman look good while she's flying through the air or spinning around a fake tree in her eagle armor to fight uh, Cheetah? Why? I don't, I don't get it. I, I honestly don't. And the worst part of the CG in Lord of the Rings is also the Oliphants when Legolas is is fighting them and he's swinging between the rope, between the saddle. The CG is terrible there. But the Oliphant itself looks amazing. I, I don't get it, John. The, the movie came out in like 2003. W- why? Why? Yeah. No, it's it's incredibly frustrating. And, and I... Like DC, I think a while ago announced that they were just going to focus on standalone stories, and I really wish that they would just do that, and and not ha- like well, what was also frustrating was they announced they were going to do the standalone, and then they announced later that they were going to do this Flashpoint thing that interconnects all of the DC properties, which is the exact opposite of what they wanted to do initially, and if you even if you just have a bunch of standalone movies and then integrate them through the multiverse or through a flash movie way down the line and i know we've i know we've pitched this before but that would make way more sense than stumbling through hoping to land on your feet um when more than likely you're not and more than likely people are going to get tired of the content before they get to where they want to be um but i do also want to talk with you about some more speculation about uh kevin feige's star wars film yay let's let's talk popcorn (laughs) time yay exactly because they they've announced they've got a writer for it um obviously it's a kevin feige produced film so they there's been no story confirmation whatsoever it's completely speculation but let's go from the negative speculation to the positive speculation what 
type of story do you want to see uh, Kevin Feige tell? Like, because there's some rumor where they're going to bring in Robert Downey Jr. and and he's going to be the one to direct or to produce um, that culmination event with a Grand, Ma- Grand Admiral Thrawn story. Um, do you want to see maybe like a um, like a, a High Republic story? Uh, somebody even talked about a standalone Darth Vader story. What what would you like to see? I absolutely know what I want to see, but I want you to 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 hear my voice, and I, I like the, you know what I want to say, don't you? Is it Yoda? No. Okay, I thought you were gonna do a voice. That's all I had. No, I just want you to hear the excitement in my voice, the hope in my voice. What do you want me to see? What do you think I want to see? What do you want to see, Chris? You have no because you don't you don't play the games. The old republic, this high <laughs> republic stuff. Yeah, okay, cool, cool story, bro. Like, but it's all about the old republic. That's what the fan base wants to see. The high republic stuff they're doing in comics, they're doing it in books, and maybe at some point I will get a, around to reading that. Even though I have a hard time reading fictitious stories, I just generally like watching it on television or on a movie screen. Uh, I like reading boring stuff. That's just me personally. Uh, I like reading informative, educational stuff. But I I want to see The Old Republic. I want to see that so bad. The fan base does. Everyone wants Darth Revan. They want that story because it was so good and I have I have just every inkling in my heart says it's not going to happen with Kevin Feige. He'll do something standalone, but I have hope that it's going to be better than anything that DC has put out. I really think that Kevin Feige might do something that's just intriguing to me. You know, if he's going to do a Darth Vader film, I trust him. He's earned the trust. If he says he wants to do a movie about Robert Downey Jr. playing a Wookiee, fine i'm down for that i'll take it uh, it's just he has culminated so much trust because of marvel i i can't uh, i can only say what i want and he's gonna give me probably most likely something else and i'm gonna be okay with that because i trust this director i trust this man because people like dave filoni and john favreau have proven if you care about the stuff that you're that you're trying to produce, it's gonna come out pretty damn good. And we saw how that failed miserably with the sequel trilogy. And right now, Lucasfilm has got to be hoping that everyone who's working on a project really loves Star Wars. And that's that's just my thoughts on it. That's my speculation. I really want the Old Republic, John. And, and even though you don't know about that type of lore, it is some of the best storytelling in this universe. And it's not even canon. <laughs> yeah. And and I think you're right. I think if he's going to do a film, it's going to be something standalone because he doesn't want to make a big commitment long term to a whole new franchise when he's still overseeing everything at Marvel. Um, so I, I think it's going to be a one and done. I... I don't know that I really want a Darth Vader story. Um, 
because I think we're going to get more of that in the Kenobi series and potentially some of it in, um, I'm, I'm even thinking maybe a little bit in, um, in Rebels, well, not Rebels, I'm sorry, maybe the Bad Batch, because um, that'll be after Order 66. We might see Vader in that, who knows. Um, uh, so I, I think there's going to be enough Vader material going around uh, that we, I don't, I don't think it justifies having a whole Darth Vader centric movie um but yeah i i would i i think also revan would be more of like a trilogy um i don't think that they would want to commit to just a single standalone film for that i part of me kind of hopes that it's something unexpected that maybe the fans weren't anticipating uh but i mean like i mean like who knows who knows because they're already they've announced the uh, like a like a droid centric thing there's so much different or so much different variety in the works that it could be literally anything and it i mean yeah i think you're right it gives me hope that it's him i think he's going to treat it well um with him as a producer he's going to have a lot more say in in the creative people that he brings onto the project um so we've got a writer now so we're, we're getting the story together then the director's probably the next step um and that's going to be exciting and i i think star wars is at the point where they're not going to just take a, a big name character from the lore and and slap an a-list actor on it i think they're going to to treat it with a little bit more reverence and do the casting right especially with feige involved um, so i it, it's just fun to think about and it's just it's it's a nice little uh a uh, little sorbet after <laughs> something something that it wasn't so great to talk about um so I, I, there's obviously not enough to really continue digging on the story but like i said just wanted to get some thoughts i know you're really passionate about star wars i wanted to hear you smile again thank then... you i just want i just want the old republic baby De- <laughs> and, and kevin feige is great for adapting stories like he did it obviously with marvel and, and the marvel cinematic universe to adapt the stuff that is made for, uh, that people have done video essays galore about with Darth Revan, just give us that. It, like if they, if if that was green lit, I think the the people who don't know about Darth Revan would their their heads would explode with how great it is. Mm-hmm. Like your head would explode if you did not play the video game and you watched it on the big screen. It's so great, and you could. It would be hard to do a movie on it. So that's why it has to be something else. And who knows? Maybe it's going to be a standalone film, but one that sets up to the franchise that someone else kind of gets the baton from Feige. Um, so maybe maybe he does set up the old republic and then he passes it on to somebody else who can finish out the vision that he kind of created kind of like what um uh, john favreau did with uh john favreau and joss whedon both kind of did with the mcu where favreau set up the tone of iron man which really set up and teed up joss whedon to bring it home with avengers and really create the tone of that style of of um, movie and film universe that they've continued from um and and at this point in that film universe we're getting wandavision next and to kind of set us up and tee us up for that disney plus man i'm on fire today with these segues 
um, Disney Plus had released this um, series of content called Legends, which I completely uh was wrong in my assumption about what it was i thought it was going to be like a trailer featuring new content of any kind regarding these characters that were about to come out in their own show um but it's it's just a trailer catching you up from clips of previous movies that these characters have been on uh so we have wandavision coming out uh this week as of this airing um a week from today so january 15th um we have that, and stay tuned, stay tuned for our review. And to prepare us for that, Legends, uh, this this first series of Legends is um, our six and seven minute clips focusing on Wanda and focusing on Vision. And to be honest, I just expected more from Marvel. This just felt like it was an opportunity to go behind the scenes, to maybe get interviews with, um, with the actors, with uh, producers, directors, people that have more insight than what we've already seen in previous films. And that, I feel like, would have gotten me even more excited for the upcoming content if I could get some new perspective um, of where these characters are at now um, to kind of tease the whole journey going forward. But it was really just a letdown. I, I watched it really early this morning, and it was literally just clips from Age of Ultron and uh, Infinity War and a little bit from Endgame. Um, but it was just really disappointing to just see what I've already seen and to know that this is coming out for every future piece of content from Marvel, um, setting up the next Disney Plus series. So why do, you, why do you think this content was even necessary, Chris? Well... I can only equate it to what Star Wars has done with um, their content on for Star Wars kids on YouTube where they did like kind of artistic anime style recaps of certain things that happened in like the original trilogy that looks really cool. Uh, sometimes people just want a recap and if they're showing off powers, if they're doing, you know, some really badass stunts, like people generally like that. That stuff is... Also for kids, you know, I get to see my character without having to find it specifically in the movie. It makes sense to me, uh, obviously, for people like you and I. It might not be the most spectacular type of content you want to consume, but it is, It is. Uh, I guess, uh, I would guess just a nice little flavor, a hint of flavor of what you're going to get next, you know. It's kind of like smelling the dish before it reaches your, you know, your your plate or before it reaches your your mouth you know it's just that nice whiff of ooh yeah and then you're gonna take a bite of your food so in that case there's not a lot of substance to this but it's kind of like it's there it's more for kids and and how i view it as a marketing tactic we don't really need it but it's there uh and i i would be disappointed if i were in your position too because i didn't know about it if I were expecting something like interviews or kind of like what Star Wars has with uh, the the I forget what they call it when it's like the after not the after credits, but they have the where they go over the making of the Mandalorian. Yeah, the gallery. Yeah. If it was something uh, types of a gallery, uh, that would be great content. But I don't I think the reason why you're just so disappointed is you thought it was something else. And also this content is kind of what they do for kids all the time. It's a nice little recap, you know? 
Yeah, and I mean, I guess, I guess that I thought they would put more work into it, given the fact that this is the first Disney Plus Marvel show to come out, um, and and I would think that you would want to do everything you can to hype up unprecedented content from something like this. I mean, Marvel's never done directly tied in TV shows setting up future movies. Um, I mean, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was the closest thing that they had, and that was loosely tied in at best for half of the season, or half of the series. Um, so I I mean, I guess I was just also expecting more from something that had already given its fans so much, um, and this just didn't seem like it was really worth all the effort to put into it. And if this is going to be what it's like for all the future series, then why don't I just go back and watch a, a compilation video on YouTube that's already there? Um, I like I get what you're saying that it's it's probably directed more for kids um, whose attention spans are smaller, who need a little bit of a hype up uh, when you're talking about uh, something new like this. And I, I guess with also with the longer hiatus that it's taken between um, phase phase three and this kind of uh, opening for the next series of content, um, I thought that they would do more to get us excited given the wait time. Um, but I mean, exciting music can only get you so far when, when it's nothing that you haven't seen before or haven't already seen before. Um, so I mean, I guess this, this, this is just the first time I've been disappointed by something Disney's put out. Um, and it's just a new feeling and I don't really know how to feel. Maybe this is what you felt about Star Wars. Well, when it comes to this type of stuff, I do not want to be underwhelmed by a product for sure. It is a worse feeling for when I look towards up and coming projects and I have not felt hyped at all for WandaVision. I haven't felt overhyped. I haven't felt any of that. Uh Falcon of the Winter Soldier, what they released for their uh for their investor call, their trailer for that looked really, really good. I also really, really liked the Loki series trailer. But I'm glad that Disney for what I'm seeing of WandaVision isn't throwing it everywhere. It's I feel like my expectations are very tempered for what the MCU has given us and it compared to the movies too. So for this reason, I think this is a very smart move of not overhyping it. Maybe, you know, I watch less television than you, I think. Or, or streaming or whatever it is. I don't know. But I just don't get bombarded with a bunch of Disney stuff. And for me, that's okay. And for me, that kind of keeps me a little bit... I think it keeps me a little bit more leveled. And I'm excited to see what they do with WandaVision. But I don't have an expectation yet. I think WandaVision, after watching it, will set an expectation of what to expect from the Loki series and Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And then from there, I can gauge really how well the ship is being steered because right now even though they put out that like oh you know that legends content i'm not really i'm i don't feel overhyped i don't feel overwhelmed they don't feel underwhelmed at all yet yeah and that's fair to to use it more as a um just as like a gentle reminder rather than um setting the expectations too high for something that they they're not really sure how it's going to do necessarily and something that hasn't really been done before um so i in that sense I, I i get that point and um and that that does make sense to me it's i mean and we it's not what you week, want 
though. Yeah. I can yeah. I can hear it in your voice. Like, why why couldn't you give me a damn interview? <laughs> but that's okay, because we get it in a week and we're gonna do our review for WandaVision. It's a double header next week or for the first week, so we're getting the first two episodes. Um so that'll be that's gonna be really exciting, man. I'm I'm really looking forward to this. It's setting the ball in motion for every almost basically every single week. Um, every Friday there will be some kind of new Marvel content coming out through the end of the year, uh, which is just it it's blowing my mind right now. It's it's really exciting just to know that there's we're about to get back into the thick of it, where we've waited so long since end game and now we act well i guess spider-man but we're finally getting something new and then just knowing that from this week on out like we're gonna keep getting something new and through next year probably and this is just going to be the norm is just our lives will be filled with marvel and all things marvel and i know you don't care for it as much as i do but i do well the big thing is that it's gonna make dc look even worse for me which you know i can I can deal with, you know, that's a fine trade-off. If Marvel keeps on just giving me everything I want and I look at DC and they give me nothing, clearly I need to choose a relationship to be in and it's going to be with Marvel because I don't see (laughs) DC doing anything to fix its reputation. They they aren't watching Lucasfilm and that's kind of weird for me to say, but it is, and they're not even, they're not even watching Marvel, their main competition. Uh, yeah so it it is what it is and it it's very it's it's very uh exciting it should be very empowering for marvel fans and like i told you like i'm very i'm very happy for you i think i've said it already you know because i finally knew what it felt like to be a marvel fan watching star wars and the mandalorian so you know we're we're getting what we want and uh yeah i i think this is a I think uh, we are in for a treat, and uh, we're going to be very busy on podcasts discussing things what uh, that has happened in Marvel and hopefully some more announcements down the line. Yes, and all I have to say before we end this is all hail Kevin Feige, long may he reign. Uh, thank you guys very much for tuning in this week. We'll be back next week, like we said, with a weekly breakdown as well as a WandaVision review, uh, so be sure to check that out. Thank you guys very much. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye.